I actually don't know what Taylor is going to write about nothing chats, but uh, <laughs> we, our DMs today back and forth about it have been very funny. Is I, I keep telling him to just put our DMs in the article because <laughs> I'm a big proponent of just like making your job as easy as possible. Sometimes yeah. it just means like transcribing your chats into a well. More it's us format. being like, did you get that? Did it did it come in yet? Wait, it just came in. Are you seeing typing indicators? I'm not seeing typing indicators. Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, it is all about iMessage. This week has been full of iMessage drama. It's coming fast and heavy and and all the euphemisms you can come up with. Really interesting week for news. There's some MediaTek and Qualcomm news. That's where I'm at, at the MediaTek Summit. We'll talk about that in a bit. There's some breaking news out of OpenAI that we'll get to in a little bit as well. And then there's just Will's incredible essay about how Android isn't popular with teenagers anymore that we definitely have to talk about because that has has blown up the internet a little bit. So, Will, how are you? I'm good. I'm very tired. I I think I got four hours of bad sleep last night. So if I am a little out of it, if it takes me a second to string together thoughts, please... Bear with me. That's both for the listener and for you, Daniel. <laughs> well, I know for from experience that these shows tend to be the better shows that we produce. When I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's true. When one of us is like yeah. extremely loopy, yeah. it ends up being more entertaining for the people listening. So uh, just full disclosure, we were probably not going to record an episode this week. I have something that I recorded here at the summit. We were going to string that together with parts of last week's episode that Jules kept out because it just wasn't super relevant to the topics that we were talking about. But Jules being the producer extraordinaire that he is had the foresight to think about this week's show. But then all this news it we needed to record. So here we are. Yeah. And we're going to air that next week because there's just too much news this week. I, I genuinely do not understand why every company decided to use the week before Thanksgiving to announced like major changes to what was happening with their platforms it would be like every like three hours there's like another story where you're like wait what is happening like it's it's still going like today friday at just shy of 5 p.m (laughs) eastern it is still being like wait what is going on in tech currently i don't know yeah it's ridiculous yeah it's it's messy i think the least messy stuff is what we should we should start with so let's just get the sort of chip news out of the way so I mean, this isn't really that interesting anymore because no, I'm of two minds about this all, right? Like from my perspective, the semiconductor industry is probably one of the most interesting and dynamic businesses in the world, right? Like when you think about Qualcomm and you think about MediaTek and you think about Intel and NVIDIA and all these companies making chips for smartphones and IoT and cars and like PCs, like it's just, it's incredible that we are in such a competitive environment. And yet talking about these things is the equivalent of talking about drying paint. It is not fun because speeds and feeds don't translate into quality entertainment. First of all, that's always been the case. And the second part of this is we've just reached such a level of performance that the difference between the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 and the Dimensity 9300 is very small. 
And I think that's true across the board. One thing I will say here that I think is interesting and sort of indicative of the conversations that we've had about our own podcast and our own channel is that mobile is no longer the primary topic of conversation at any of these semiconductor conferences. So obviously, Qualcomm, they talked about the HN3. Fine. Here, they talked about the Dimensity 9300. Great. But the vast majority of this week's panel um, sessions have not been about mobile. They've been about fixed broadband. They've been about auto. They've been about AI and like just how everything is converging on AI. They're talking about partnerships, which is so fascinating to me because MediaTek is a company that has shied away from making a big name for itself, right? It's one of those companies that slowly but surely has been creeping up towards becoming a really dynamic competitor with Qualcomm, but it's been doing so in Qualcomm's shadow. And I think this year, the company acknowledged that it will never come out of Qualcomm's shadow if it tries to focus on mobile, because Qualcomm owns the conversation, owns the patents, owns the biggest markets in mobile. Even though MediaTek has more market share in mobile than Qualcomm in a bunch of big markets, including India, it's just not a brand name in a lot of places. So, and that's one thing. But the other thing too is like, who cares what chip is in your phone anymore or in your tablet or in your smartwatch or in your thing? Like, I think it's only meaningful if the chip is demonstrably bad. Like the thing that was in the Pixel watch that made it like a shitty smartwatch, that was fixed in the second gen. But the fact that Apple never talks about how much faster the S9 is than the S8 is just true of a lot of things. And like even some of the performance conversations around like M3 and M3 Max, those kind of dissipated pretty quickly. And I will say all that to sort of preface the conversation around Qualcomm's announcement this week, which is the Snapdragon 7 Gen 3 is basically the Goldilocks of mid-range smartphone chipsets. It will be in a bunch of phones. But what was really interesting is that like this is just a slightly better version than what was previously announced. Now, there wasn't a Snapdragon 7 Gen 2. Yeah, there was a correct? 7 Plus Gen 2. This is a 7 Gen 3. I would say this is primarily focused around like AI capabilities. It, yeah. It's... it's I would say that the Snapdragon 7 lineup in general is kind of confusing. And it's not just the names that are confusing. It's like the entire product lineup is confusing. And part of that is also that like these chips don't really or phones powered by these chips don't really come out in the US or in North America in general. It's basically like the Moto Razor, like the $700 one is like first phone i can think of that arrived here with a 7 gen 1 not even a plus gen 2 but yeah i don't know this whole lineup is a little messy compared to like you know say what you will about snapdragon's overall naming structure but it is easy to figure out snapdragon 8 gen 1 to 8 plus gen 1 to 8 gen 2 to 8 gen 3 like you can kind of identify what is going on in that product lineup compared to the 7 series yeah i think It's one of those discussions that like, it's hard to even 
come up with anything interesting to say. Agreed. Absolutely. I, I, I helped pitch the title on our, on our announcement of this and, and I struggled to make it something snappy that an audience might want to click on because audiences don't really want to click on the flagship announcements, let alone the mid range chip announcements. And, and yeah, it's to your point, it is difficult to, get readers or audiences of any kind interested in the chipset that will be powering their phone unless it is a bad chipset. I mean, it's not our job to make those products interesting, right? And that's the thing, right? We're conveying the news. And I think that is just an overall symptom of like a broader problem here that Qualcomm and MediaTek have had to deal with, which is their clients are not you and me. They are the companies making the phones and the other products. I think what's interesting at MediaTek here is what they do every year is they have a bunch of products on display that they show use MediaTek chips inside of them. So a lot of Amazon smart speakers use MediaTek as well as Google uh, smart speakers. A lot of mid-range smartphones that you've never heard of from companies that aren't available in North America use MediaTek chips. And then there was the ROG Ally. And I was like, what? And the ROG Ally uses a MediaTek Wi-Fi chip. So the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth in that thing is powered by MediaTek. So even products and categories that you would not really think of as something MediaTek would contribute to, that's where their chips are. So for my purposes, like I'm interested in it because the company is trying to do two things at the same time. The Dimensity 9300 is like this big, powerful chip that they're like, it's going to outcompete, outperform the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, and it's going to scale really well. At the same time, they're like, but we're not making any announcements for the computing side because they know that they are not going to be able to compete with the Elite X series because that's like custom cores made specifically for Windows. And all they have right now are off-the-shelf ARM license cores that are not as efficient as what Qualcomm is creating and has spent like five years incubating. And if they were to put active cooling on the Dimensity 9300 and increase the number of cores and whatever, it would obviously be a very powerful chip, but it would not compete on battery life and efficiency with the M series from Apple or the X Elite. Was it? Is it, is it? X-Elite, Elite X, I'm I'm still going to get it wrong. Well, now you've got me second guessing, but I believe it's Snapdragon X-Elite. Okay, there you go, X-Elite. So that was what I was interested in. And then what they spent a lot of time on stage this week talking about something called ASIC, which is application-specific integrated circuitry. So the idea here is that a client, uh, and they made an announcement with Meta today or yesterday that I found interesting because they're going to power the next generation of Meta smart glasses. So Qualcomm famously is the company powering the smart sunglasses this year that have a camera and and a speaker. Next year's version is going to be powered by MediaTek. They made a big deal about announcing that on stage here. But there are other chips that clients like Meta are coming to MediaTek for and saying, hey, we know you have a really close partnership with TSMC. A lot of companies have really close partnerships with TSMC, so that's not like a huge, unique thing about MediaTek. But anyway, they also have the capability of like making these custom, bespoke, application-specific chips for these clients at costs that Qualcomm would not give them. So that's where I think the differentiating factors are here. But ultimately, 
somebody listening to this podcast, and I've been talking about this for 10 minutes already, probably doesn't care very much. And that's still a big problem for MediaTek. It's unfortunate as well that the Dimensity 9300, which is actually a really, like, as I said, powerful SOC, with a lot of interesting things inside of it, will just never come to a phone or device released in North America. Like, it's just not going to happen. So yeah, that's basically it. Not a huge amount of like news here. There's something that I can't talk about that will be under embargo until after this podcast goes live, but it won't change your life. So I'm not even that <laughs> excited about teasing. <laughs> All right. So that's that. Uh, other than that, to say like, this is, I'm in California. It's beautiful here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was raining the day I got here, which... Um, was unusual, I would say, for Los Angeles. It was like pouring all day. But then the sun came out the next day and it was nice and sunny and warm and a good break, a good break from uh, where you and I both live. So, you you know, it was nice here yesterday, though. Like, I'm going to assume Toronto weather was similar, but it was like sunny and pretty calm and almost 60 degrees Fahrenheit out. It was actually not bad. yeah. Yeah, today sucked. It poured all day and was like 50 degrees and... I mean, this is a Buffalo thing, but they're forecasting a lake effect storm for Thanksgiving. So it's, hilarious. I'm loving it. Loving it. And it's, uh, does anyone want to buy my house? Is uh, <laughs> just putting that out there. Oh, no. No, nah, it's fine. Well, you got to stock up on your buckets and your tall cans <laughs> now. Yeah. Is what you got to do. I have to go get gas for the generator is what oh, I have to go do. God. All right. There's a lot of other news to talk about this week. So. Nothing, as it is wont to do, just came out of the blue on Tuesday to announce the fact that they are bringing iMessage to Android. And they're doing this in an app available for Nothing Phone 2 users exclusively called Nothing Chats. And as we are recording, it is available today on Friday. Hey, Will from the future cutting in here to say that Saturday morning... Nothing took Nothing Chats down from the Play Store after it was discovered by uh, 9to5Google and a couple other sites that the, the app was storing messages in plain text and basically anyone with a little bit of work could go read messages and uh, view any media shared within the app. So a uh, very bad situation there. Nothing says it's working on fixing those quote-unquote bugs. Uh, <laughs> that is one way to describe leaking messages, leaking data from your users. Um, but yeah, go read that report at Android Police. I wrote it up Saturday morning, about 12 hours after we recorded this. Otherwise, uh, back to the show. And what it's doing is it's essentially allowing users to send iMessages to their iPhone friends. And it is doing so according to nothing in a way that is all end-to-end encrypted. Now, they're doing this by partnering with a company called Sunbird, which runs an app of the same name that is similar to Beeper. So the app itself is not just for iMessage. It consolidates all of the chat apps in your world. So WhatsApp, iMessage, Signal, whatever, right? All, all of these ones that, that it, it supports and you provide an Apple ID, and I'll read exactly what nothing says about what it does with your Apple ID after you log in. It says, once the Apple ID is provided, whether existing or newly created, 
It's then tokenized in an encrypted database and the Apple ID is destroyed. The Apple ID data is destroyed. The token is of no use to bad actors as it does not contain any sensitive information like your Apple ID and the data you initially provided is automatically deleted ensuring your Apple ID is secure and at no point vulnerable to bad actors. Now, earlier today, which is Friday the 17th, the founder of texts.com, which is unsurprisingly a competitor to Sunbird, uh, and just to be clear here, text.com does exactly the same thing that Beeper and Sunbird say they do. However, this is owned by Automatic. So text.com was incubated within Automatic. Automatic famously owns WordPress, now Tumblr, and a whole bunch of other well-known web apps. They took a look at the tech behind Nothing Chats and found out that it's not even using HTTPS, it's communicating over HTTP, and that the backend is running an instance of blue bubbles, which doesn't support end-to-end encryption. Now, Nothing said that the creator of, this is hilarious, that the creator of Sunbird initially called the backend infrastructure blue bubbles over a year ago, and it has nothing to do with the unsecured app called blue bubbles. This just gets weirder and weirder, as I'm sure everybody expected this to to be. Uh, Nothing then sent an update to say that while the protocol is HTTP, all data is encrypted, and the key used to encrypt that data is provided via HTTPS. So Apple credentials or messages sent via that HTTP request are secure and not open to the public. So all that being said, Nothing and Sunbird are claiming that if you provide your Apple ID to Nothing Chats, your Apple ID will not be distributed. It will not be intercepted. It will stay safe, basically. It'll still allow for iMessage safely. Now, my question will, and I don't know if you know this because you haven't used it, but Taylor has, does it allow you to send with a phone number or is it just email-based? That's a good question. Taylor DM'd me earlier today because he did our Nothing Phone 2 review and therefore has our Nothing Phone 2 and is working on a hands-on with this and said that everyone in his life is on Android. And I said, that must be nice. And I <laughs> have, he said everyone in his life that he messages is on Android. So he doesn't, he didn't know who to message on iMessage. And I was like, you can message me. I have an iPhone in front of me. I just can't imagine that. I, I wish that was me. Um, anyway, so I gave him my number and I said, here you go, go for it. And he said, okay, I sent a couple messages and I said, I didn't get them. Uh, they rolled in after about eight minutes eight minutes oh that's good eight minutes i got them i should also say i tried texting him his phone number it immediately lit up in green and sent as sms when i did get Mm. his messages they were from of course taylor at androidpolice.com because taylor made a new apple id to test this out probably a good idea i would say yes so a couple things working off of nothing's faq first of all to your point about phone numbers allegedly you can send your v card contact file to your contacts and have them save it so that your apple id email will merge with so basically i have to i think i have to do the work basically like like taylor i taylor has to send me a v card contact and then kidding. it merges on my side with his contact which sounds like a real headache. Uh, as someone who has used Beeper, I can tell you that it sent from my phone number, although that could be because I have an iPhone laying around that I can turn iMessage on and off on, so I, I don't want to speak too much on that. 
regardless, that's a very silly workaround. I should also mention Nothing's FAQ says that if you create an Apple ID when you sign up for Nothing Chats, you may experience a warm-up period of up to an hour. I have no idea what that means, but Taylor and I said, okay, maybe that's why these messages are delayed. So we did try again at two o'clock this afternoon. Taylor sent me two messages and uh, I didn't get them. I just, I never got them. So still uh, warming up. Still uh, I guess to so. get around that track. Also, I apologize. It was at three o'clock we did this. Two hours went by and so should have been well out of that warm up period. Yeah. So it's, I would say bad. I would say it was a bad experience today and that if Taylor and I had not been messaging in a separate application, uh, which was Slack, uh, we would not have been able to communicate at all. So, uh, you know, maybe it gets better over time. The issue is that I haven't used Sunbird. I don't know anyone who has because that app appeared on the scene about a year ago with a wait list. And I don't know anyone who got off the wait list. And now the wait list is paused for the next several months while they only let nothing users into the program. So if you don't have Sunbird currently and you were on the wait list, it's not even moving anymore. It's just for nothing phone two users. That's again, not to keep bringing up beeper, but I got an invite code from someone who used beeper. And I think I have invite codes for beeper now. And it seems like you can get into beeper pretty easily. So there's that, but, um, yeah, I don't have like the context of like, well, Sunbird usually works fine. This must be a nothing chats issue to provide like the experience to say like, oh, well, like this is just like first day jitters or whatever. Very unclear at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's limited to nothing phone to users is, I think, just everything you need to know about this scheme. I applaud Carl Pay for getting into the news cycle for 24 hours right before Apple decides to just completely run over it with a cyber truck so because <laughs> Apple decided to say that it will support RCS messages <laughs> at some point in 2024. Yeah. So this is this happened yesterday. So they were sorry, this happened 2 Four, days 48 hours nothing. in between these two yes. announcements. Right. So I'm sitting in a session yesterday <laughs> and around 10 a.m. Yeah. I start seeing like a little, uh, like a, like a flitter of activity n- nearby me. Like everybody picks up their phone and starts yeah. like, you know, just doing more things than they were doing a second before. I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And then Rich Woods, the mm-hmm. editor in chief of XDA, who's in the same room as me, texts me. He goes, it's so funny when everybody gets the same DM at the same time. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And I pick up my phone. And I see just this like barrage of messages <laughs> from my various <laughs> Slack and Telegram groups yeah. being like, holy shit, it's happening. Oh my God, what's going on? And then like I start reading and it Apple had briefed a bunch of publications, nine to five Mac, Tech Radar, you know, all it's funny because it wasn't like they briefed Android related publications. This was very much an Apple and, and yeah, it, it wasn't even briefing. like The Verge wasn't briefed, which which really surprised me. It was like it was like mm-hmm. kind of more Apple specific or or, you know, Tech Radar is not Apple specific necessarily, but certainly nine to five Mac. You know, I would love to know how they chose who to brief behind the scenes, because, yeah, some sites had this right at 1 p.m. Eastern as an embargo. And then there were the other sites like us, like 
even like The Verge that were like one, you know, 108 breaking, developing. <laughs> Apple is announcing yeah. RCS, more to come. Yeah. So this is really interesting because, you know, sort of the flip of what nothing is doing. It's not, it's not making iMessage available to Android users, but it's allowing Android users and iPhone users to communicate with a more modern protocol. Now, this is something Google has been asking for literally years, Apple to support. And it is unclear why the company decided to start supporting it now. I think oh, I disagree. there were indications that- the- I know exactly why the company is supporting it now or why it made this announcement. I, I have a piece up on the site today called Why Apple Finally Decided to Adopt RCS on iPhone. And it is, it is because of the EU, but it is specifically because yesterday was the deadline for challenges to be submitted in the argument against making iMessage a core service in the European Commission's DMA rules. So basically, they timed this on the last day to be like, you don't need to regulate us. We're adding RCS. That's what we're doing. You don't need to make us interoperable with WhatsApp or any other service. We're doing RCS. You guys happy? And it was funny to watch nothing and kind of specifically Carl Pay try to play this up as a as a response to nothing chats on twitter um which like absolutely no disrespect to anyone at nothing i just frankly my guess would have been a a response from apple on nothing chats would have been some kind of legal fight perhaps uh, or anything to kind of try to be like you're not using our service correctly whatever if they were going to respond at all nothing did not play into this like this was timed to the eu this is all about you know google sent we talked about it i think it was in the part of the show last week that got released but we we talked about google sending a letter along with a bunch of carriers about how imessage should be a core service and this is a hundred percent about apple arguing its case for the eu basically right so just to be clear what we're talking about here so the dma is a Digital Markets Act is is a piece of legislation that is working its way through the EU Court of Justice and the EU Regulatory Board. It supposes that there are six major players, six or seven, Apple being one of them, Alphabet, Meta, ByteDance, Amazon, and, and a couple of others. And they are basically the gatekeepers for the internet, for lack of a better term. And this interoperability that has been sort of floated as an idea would force iMessage to work more or less on the same protocol, or at least have some sort of way of communicating directly with other services deemed to be gatekeepers or deemed to be essential services like WhatsApp. So what's interesting about this is you're absolutely right. Not only did Apple file a petition contesting the regulations that the EU are putting forth, but they are saying we are proactively taking measures to make Android users more comfortable, I guess, communicating with Apple users by integrating RCS. However, in the hours after the announcement, Apple confirmed that nothing is really going to change from a perception perspective because RCS messages will still be green. And to your point and the point that you brought up in your excellent piece around how Apple is still the kingmaker for U.S. and and for teenagers around the world, but in particular for U.S. teenagers, nobody knows what RCS is. And this is mainly an issue for Android users 
to get a better experience talking to individuals and groups on the iPhone. So this is a brilliant move by Apple because Apple still retains the power here. The power dynamic is still in Apple's favor. I agree. And it placates Google because Google gets to say, we finally have a, quote, messaging service that is interoperable and built into the OS the way that iMessage is. So there are a few caveats. I'd like you to go over them, one of which is that right now the current universal profile spec for RCS does not support end-to-end encryption, and that's a big one. So so walk us through that. If you are using RCS and Android right now, it it is encrypted. That is a Google addition, an overlay, basically, to the RCS universal standard. Like That is not part of the protocol as it exists today. Apple has come out and said they will not be using Google's end-to-end encryption standard. So essentially, although Apple says that it will be working with the GSMA to make RCS a more private protocol, that's probably part of the reason that this isn't launching like next month in an iOS 17 point whatever. 17? Are we in 17? I actually don't even know anymore. You're in 17, yeah. yeah. Like we're probably looking at this as a as an iOS 18 or 18.1 update next year, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of it, and we'll see how that works. That's also kind of their excuse for keeping green bubbles, is that they're saying that when your bubbles are blue, that's when you know that you are using the most private, secure platform around, which is, of course, iMessage. And if your bubbles are green, you should be careful, because you never know what those Android users are doing. It's brilliant from Apple. Like, if I'm taking Apple's perspective here, keeping the green bubbles around while building an RCS is like the most obvious decision in the world because green bubbles already have such a stigma around them just like as a poor experience on ios specifically because rcs is a standard like not even google's interpretation of it on android but like just rcs does support all the things that you would want to have a better time messaging between ios and android which is typing indicators and red receipts and better group chats and high quality media as well as location sharing all of that is going to be there but it's not going to be obvious right Like when this launches, even if you can now start a group chat with Android users and have all of the modern and rich messaging features you want, it will not be obvious that anything has changed until you really start paying attention to it, which means that stigma is going to last a lot longer than it would if the bubbles were purple and you were like, that's new. What does that mean for me? It's brilliant from Apple's side. I think it's a terrible user experience because iOS users will have a better time texting people using Android with this, but they might not know about it because they're going to just see green bubbles and be like, oh, I know how this works. This sucks. And they'll bounce. Basically, they'll be like, you got to get an iPhone. But from Apple's perspective, I got to hand it to them. It's the right way to get a win out of being forced to try to avoid stricter regulation around this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say like whether we're overthinking this. We might be. To, yeah. to the end user, if a green bubble comes with read receipts and you end up sending an MMS that happens to be not an MMS but an IP based photo that's full resolution, like it'll just be a natural progression. And the fact is that millions of people running Android will still only be able to send SMS messages to iPhones anyway because not every single handset supports RCS. And I think there will need to be some reconfiguration on the Google side, right? Because as you said, Apple's not going to support this until it supports end-to-end encryption. 
So they are working with the GSMA to integrate that into the spec, which would force Google to have to redo its overlay because the universal profile is the baseline for this. And then Google has been adding to it. First, it supported single pair end-to-end encryption and then group end-to-end encryption. And if your chat is encrypted, you get a particular type of kind of send and read receipt. Like it looks different. It's also weird that the Samsung messages experience is different than the Google messages experience, even though Samsung messages uses Google's overlay itself. And in some regions, Samsung actually uses a reskinned version of Google messages, except for the US, which is bizarre. So in Canada, if I buy a Samsung phone, I'm using Google messages as my default messaging client, but it looks like Samsung messages. Whereas I think in the US, if I'm not mistaken, it's actually a separate app. Yes, it is. So that whole thing needs to get fixed. And like, yes, most phones, most Android phones that you buy today, except for Samsung in the US, which is admittedly a big part of that market, uses Google Messages. So Google won from that perspective, right? It fought Verizon, it fought AT&T, it fought T-Mobile, it fought all of the competitors out there. It made a deal with Samsung, it won. Google Messages is the client. However, Google Messages, when it sends an RCS message, guess what color it is? It's blue, right? (laughs) It's blue. Yeah. (laughs) So, and a lot of the publications that published this news yesterday, I think mistook Apple's quote or somebody said something different to them about a time frame because a bunch of places, including TechRadar, they said that early next year, Apple will roll out RCS support from a conversation that they reportedly had with Apple which was on background, so it wasn't attributable. Then Apple did release an on-the-record statement saying later next year, Apple will support RCS. But I am 100% on board with you. I think they will not release it until the GSMA has updated the spec and Apple has released iOS 18, which is at the earliest September September of next year. As much as it worked for the time, I think Google probably should have tried to work with the GSMA earlier than this to get encryption as the standard rather than just being like, well, we did the rest of this ourselves. We'll do this, too, because this does kind of put them on their back foot a little bit. And I think that's a mistake. The good news is that, I mean, we've seen evidence that Google has no issue really pushing ahead on advertising RCS as a standard because we've watched their get the message campaign for a year now. And it's not just limited to the internet. I've seen their get the message ads in New York City. Like this is a real thing that they've like spent money on trying to spread the message, right? And it didn't work. And I don't think Apple's decision has anything to do with their PR campaign. But nevertheless, they now have a year to basically claim a victory that they didn't earn and try to get the word out on Apple's behalf that in iOS 18 or whenever it launches, green bubbles are going to be very different than they were a year ago. And I think they'll do that. And they should do that. I think it would be dumb to not essentially fill in because Apple is not going to talk about this at all in their ads. Like they do not care if you know that the iPhone supports RCS in a year or whatever. In fact, they'd probably rather you not know. And I think Google is going to step up to the plate there and be like, no, no, no. Like, to be clear, our phones and your phones, now they work a lot better than they used to. And those green bubbles, just 
get used to that color because we're coming. I don't, I have no idea what that'll do to public perception of green bubbles and of cross-platform messaging, but like I can see this coming and they're stupid if they don't do it. I mean, I'm going to even predict something completely out there. Google and Apple are going to team up for a marketing campaign around RCS. You think Apple wants to talk about it? I think Google wants Apple to talk about this a lot. And I think what's come out of the Google monopoly trial around how much they pay Apple every year for access to the iPhone, I think that there is a tacit understanding between the two companies that they need each other. And I I think as Apple gets more scrutiny in the EU, I mean, we've already seen physical evidence of this with the USB-C port in the iPhone 15s. That would not have happened had the EU not pushed ahead with its legislation. And we're now two months into this change and the world has not ended. (laughs) People have had to buy new USB-C cords or whatever. Families have not broken up because one person's still using an older phone, I, I think. I Can mean, I tell knows? you, when Maddie and I went to Maui for the Snapdragon Summit, she referred to USB-C as the normal USB port. And I was like, oh my God, I did it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I've like brainwashed you into thinking USB-A is the weird one. USB-C is the normal port now. Like it is the It's got that port. old one. Oh, I agree. But like, we're way too into our niche to like know what normal people think anymore. I just, I was like, Oh man, we're here. We made it. USB-C is just, this is the thing Tell now. That to every so single plane that I'm on. It's, we were on they, a plane when she said it like that. That is what we were talking they've about. They've not gotten the, uh, they don't have the budget to upgrade those USB ports. They yet. do not. I just think it'll be cool. Like Google must've had an end game here, right? They must've known that what happens if we win, what happens if Apple relents at some point, right? Then what do we do? Google, sure, I mean, it's, you know, it can come out and say, like, we support Apple's decision. We're very happy with this, blah, blah, blah. Although I'm very surprised that, like, if you go to Google's blog right now, the, like, a response to Apple's decision is not plastered at the top saying, we did it, you know, look at our uh, advocacy efforts, blah, 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 like patting themselves on the back here. Um, I'm very surprised Google hasn't released a statement on this personally. But Don't get the message site is not updated. It still says it's time for Apple to fix texting. And I, I agree. I'm surprised there isn't a even just a banner that says, like, get the latest on Apple's announcement this week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a snarky tweet. You know, that's <laughs> even all that's, that. All that's needed. But we know now how close, like, we talked about this on the podcast, how Sundar Pichai actually had a conversation with Tim Cook in 2018 saying you should put the Google search app on iPhones. Like he had the audacity to say that. And I'm not saying Tim Cook even spent one second considering this, but the fact that Google's CEO six years ago said this to Tim Cook and it was actually something he felt comfortable bringing up is an indication that the relationship between the two companies is not nearly as adversarial as it may seem in public. And I think this RCS thing is likely going to provide both companies an opportunity. Apple does not have to make this widely known, but they may want to work with Google to say, texting just got more secure for everyone, right? We are a privacy first company. We were the ones that pushed end-to-end encryption into the GSMA universal profile spec for RCS. 
Google didn't do that. Yeah. Like Google's had four years to do that and didn't do it. Apple is going to be the one to claim that victory. And Google will just be able to write its coattails saying, we don't care who got it in. We just know that every time somebody sends an RCS message to an iPhone user, it goes through with read receipts, with higher quality photos and videos, with location sharing, et cetera, et cetera. And iMessage gets to still be a superior standalone messaging platform with all the other stuff that Apple has built into it over the years. And when I say superior, I mean that in like quotation marks. No, Memoji is good, Daniel. We all know this. I, it's kind of, I, I, mean, I mean, how I do like, you even send messages without Memoji? <laughs> I have a five-year-old, so Memoji is life. It's, but, it's cute. Like I messed around with it when it came out, then I set it aside and I was like, all right, back to just texting normally. Back to taps on the Apple Watch. That's what we really need to use to communicate. <laughs> it's like tapping each other heartbeats to know that we love each other and are thinking about it each other like we should bring that 2015 up was a simpler time god that anniversary is coming up we should just dig into all the stuff that first gen apple watch had that it, apple pretends it never launched an eighteen thousand dollar or twenty thousand exactly gold exactly is exactly what we need we should find one on ebay for how much would it be now would it actually have do you think it would price? go up or down yeah that's my i'm i'm curious do you think it went up or down is it pegged to the price of the of gold because if that's the case it's it's definitely like twice the price yeah. as it was in 2015 it's probably a stupid amount of money it's probably like <laughs> it probably my, doesn't even work it's yeah it doesn't work and it costs my salary like i would have yeah. to drop my entire salary on it yeah not something anyway. you want to invest in right now anyway so yeah that's my that's my like it, i i just that's my uh uh what's it called um theory yes sure sure we'll go with that yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i need my afternoon coffee. i kind of agree with you like like i i you've you've kind of lured me over into thinking they'll talk about the security aspect of it that they'll be like we were the ones that got this done i i hadn't thought about it that way but i i agree i still think They'll never mention it in their advertising. No, specifically. no. Like, like, or they may veil it. And yes, say like, exactly. Like, like messaging more secure than ever. Leave yeah, it at that. Exactly. And, but, um, but like iMessages just got more secure. Exactly. And then you'll be like, how? And Apple will just never explain it. They'll be like, don't worry about it. Just keep sending those blue <laughs> bubbles. Keep convincing right. all of your younger friends to buy <laughs> iPhones. My favorite thing will be as if Apple like makes RCS messages just a slightly darker green. And that will just be the only indicator. Like you'll need like a magnifying glass to try to tell the two apart. <laughs> but some some designer will be like, no, no, no. This is hash three seven eight four nine six four, not three six three. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. The design community will totally understand. I linked it at the bottom of my why did Apple choose now to adopt RCS piece? That it's a piece from 2018 that I've never stopped thinking about, which is that the green bubbles on iOS violate apple's own accessibility guidelines because the contrast ratio is like way off where it's supposed to be and they do that yes, on purpose white on green that's bad they do it on purpose to make it annoying like the blue one is also not accurate but like it's it's obviously much easier on the eyes they do it on purpose to make it hard to read i remember this piece yeah it has stuck with me for five years because it's kind of the same with the security stuff for all of you know i'm sure apple would love to call itself an accessibility focused company but like the ratio on these colors, the contrast ratio is bad. I mean, it doesn't pass their own guidelines. I don't know how else to put it other than that. So fix it. So go to the article that's in the show notes and then go down to the bottom. Actually, we'll just put the article. Oh, just, the yeah, just link it. It's from, from Kevin Voller. It's on Medium. It'll be there. It's, it's a really quick read if you don't remember it. It still matters today. And God, just 
Apple, just make it so that people can change the colors of the bubbles or whatever. Who cares? Or or add purple. Everyone seems to agree RCS bubbles should be purple. I, every piece I read that speculated before they said it would be green, including mine, said purple. And I don't know why we all agreed that it should be purple, but we it seems to be a hive mind thing. So just do it. Make it purple. I like that. I mean, it's funny. I th- th- You could go so many so many different places but purple does feel right right. here yeah definitely i mean if you go to this article and you go down to the mock-up of if messages did meet the color contrast guidelines and it shows a darker version of green with white text it just like my nervous system calms down (laughs) i just feel i feel better my headache goes away. I lose weight. It's literally my hair that grows back. It's, it's the it's the meme of society. If Apple just did the green color correctly, <laughs> Apple would just save so many lives yeah. if it changed to a four point five by one contrast ratio. Yeah. That's it. If the iPhone was a four point five by one aspect ratio, that would be even better. That would just be <laughs> a really long, thin stick. Then things would just truly really makes sense. All right, let's talk about that piece you wrote because this kind of exploded a little bit this week. So you wrote about how Android is not doing great with the youth. And like, this is a topic we brought up on the podcast before. It's been a topic we've lingered on because I think it's relevant, not just to everybody reading this, but just the smartphone market in general, how Android is the most popular platform in the world. Nobody's disputing that, right? But in developed markets, in places like North America, in Western Europe, increasingly the iPhone is the status symbol that teenagers care about. And you have the stats to prove it. And it's just a really interesting glimpse into how I think Android lost its, if it ever had it, I guess, but it really just lost its sort of cultural cachet as the iPhone and the iOS ecosystem has become more entrenched in North American culture. So walk us through your kind of hypothesis. Yeah. So this came out about a month ago that investment firm Piper Sandler does a biannual study of teenagers. It was, um, it's over 9,000. What? 9,000 adolescents. I think the average age was somewhere between 15 and 16 scattered across the U S different regions, different backgrounds. The whole report is interesting, but obviously to us, the mobile-centric stats are the ones that caught our eye. It was 87% of teenagers surveyed own an iPhone, 88% expect to buy an iPhone as their next device, which the 87% number is bad enough, right? That's essentially, let's round up, that's 9 in 10 teenagers. The fact that it's also 88% want, want, like... There is not only no one considering buying a foldable or a Pixel 8 Pro, there's nothing, but there's an additional percent that's like, yeah, I'm also jumping over. I'm jumping ship as well. I'll be I'll be buying an iPhone next time. And obviously, those are really bad numbers because these are 16-year-olds today on average. But once you are in an, an ecosystem, as you said, you tend to stay there. And the fact that these... I mean, they're children, right? They're under 18, so they're children. These adolescents are in this ecosystem already. All of their friends are in this ecosystem. And the ones that aren't, that, you know, 13% are being pressured to join it through apps like iMessage. Obviously, I wrote this before RCS was a factor. But I think it kind of spells doom for Android's 
popularity in especially places like North America, but you know, WhatsApp does have a hold over Europe, I would say, but like that can change. But if we're just focusing on the US, because that's where the study took place, like I think it's a really bad sign because in 10 years, these 16 year olds will be 26 year olds. And and there's a very low chance that they've all jumped over to Android. And you will see essentially like there is no growth. There will only be growth for people using iPhones, essentially, as these users get older, as they have kids and those kids grow up on iPads and hand me down iPhones as the current generation has. I think that's part of the thing is that you have a generation of millennials who started using iPhones 10 to 15 years ago who are having kids and they're giving their kids iPads and iPhone SEs and that's how they start, right? And it's a great experience as a parent, I suppose, because the Apple ecosystem makes it easy to whether it's just messaging or it's, you know, tracking location or any of that stuff, right? Setting up parental controls on iPads and all that, like that's all there. So it makes sense why you would want that, but it does from an Android perspective really look dire, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because this is true of Windows as well, right? If you were to say today that like Windows is dying, most people would laugh at you. Like 70% of the world's PCs still use Windows. But that number was like 95% 25 years ago. And it's not that Windows is a worse product than it was 25 years ago. It's a much better product. But it is not an aspirational product in any way. And I think the same is true of Android. And I think we have to separate the hardware, which is objectively great, on Android now, and the price points are fantastic, and you can get a really good phone for nothing, or from nothing, in fact. And <laughs> and you can you send iMessage. And you can exactly it saves saves the whole thing. Um, and then you look at the software, and Android is objectively better, so much better. Oh my god, than it was ten years ago. Just like night and day, you pick up a Pixel. Give an iPhone user who's never picked up an Android phone a Pixel. And they will know how to use it within 10 minutes. It's not only because Android and iOS have converged in many ways, but also because like using a Pixel is just a really good experience. It's very intuitive. I can say that with confidence. And yet the stats speak for themselves. And I think ecosystem and iMessage absolutely play a part in it. But it is also just the fact that there's no reason not to. So I take my kid to school every day. Her school is kindergarten up to grade six, right? So a lot of the grade fives and sixes have phones and I see them playing with the phones. All of them are iPhones. Very few of them are new iPhones. So this is the other thing that I don't think a lot of people are taking into account. When you talk about how 88, 87% of people own iPhones and are going to get another iPhone, it's not that they're going to the Apple store the day the iPhone 15 comes out and are getting a new iPhone. They're getting their parents' hand-me-down iPhones. And that is true in North America and Europe and everywhere else in the world because iPhones last longer than Android phones. We know this. So it's easy for a parent to say, I'm going to upgrade and I'll give you my old iPhone 10 or iPhone 11. It will still run the latest version of iOS. And if it doesn't, it's st- they're still confident that most of the features will work properly. And if it dies... They can go to the Apple store and get a replacement screen or replacement battery or something for less than the cost of a new phone. And I think that is really sort of the unspoken victory of Apple here 
because teenagers are disasters in every possible way and they break their phones. And what is easier than just going to the local mall and replacing it with another version of the same thing? And when you are using a Samsung or using a Pixel, yes, you have those options. You go to YouBreakIFix or a Samsung store or whatever, but like that ecosystem is just not as reliable. The parts are not as cheap and the third-party ecosystem for replacement parts, not as good. So that's a big part of it. And I think that coupled with iMessage's ubiquity and the blue bubble problem and, 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 and leads people to the same conclusion. I mean, we can keep going. I, I talk a little bit about just how dominant Apple is in the advertising space, not just their own ads, but every single carrier ad since September is talking about one phone and it's, it's the iPhone 15 Pro with titanium every single time. It does not matter if it's AT&T or T-Mobile or Verizon. If you are watching an NFL game this season, you will see ads from all three and they all say the new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium. <laughs> I, I keep watching Bill's games because I have a I have a true sickness and it's I I can think of the I, I link to the Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes ad and it's you know they're not talking about the S23 Ultra or whatever foldable you want them to talk about right so there's just the headspace of it and I think you bring up a really good point about hand-me-down iPhones I totally agree with that I think the other issue is that if these teenagers aren't getting hand-me-down iPhones that are working about as well as they were three or four years ago when they were first purchased. They're using ultra low-end Android phones from whatever MVNO they're on, a straight talk, track phone. And I'm not saying there aren't good, as you said, there are good low and mid-range, better than ever. The Galaxy A14, if you need a $200 phone and it's not even on sale, it's $200, it's not a bad option. But there are still bad low-end phones that you can go and buy at Walmart or wherever. And for a lot of these teenagers, if they start on Android, that's their experience. And they immediately go, well, and, and I watched this 10 years ago when I was in high school. And it's, I, I can guarantee you it's still happening today. They go, this sucks. Why would I want to stick with this? Like, I'm just going to go to an iPhone. And it doesn't matter if the Galaxy S23 Ultra or whatever Android flagship you want to put in here that costs as much as an iPhone is, you know, delivers an experience as good or better as the iPhone 15 Pro with titanium, like the damage is done at that point. Like you've associated Android with and it, it's a bad experience with Android in a way that like pretty much no iPhone is going to give you. The cheapest iPhone is the iPhone SE, which is, I don't know, 430, 450 bucks, right? For the third gen one. And like, it might have a really dated design, but software-wise, you're getting the same experience that every other Apple user gets, right? It's going to be fast. It has 5G, all that stuff. And like, that's just not true with whatever Moto G insert word here, you're going to buy at Walmart. And some of those phones, again, are not bad, but they can leave a mark that Apple doesn't really have to worry about because they've only dipped a toe into like, the mid-range space with a dated design. Yeah. And it's funny to think that iMessage is not that old. I mean, it's no. it, it launched with iOS 5. It It's only 11 years or 12 years old now, I guess, 11 years since it was launched. Its ubiquity is really a North American phenomenon. And yet we know that it maintains its place in this as like a an outsized culturally important feature, right? I mean, when you have Drake, like there are Drake lyrics about blue bubbles, green right? Bubbles, or green yeah. bubbles. Yeah, it's like 
it's a thing everyone knows. It is not a tech exclusive thing. Everyone knows what you're talking about when you bring this stuff up. The second you say RCS, they might like hear nothing but static coming out of your mouth. But until then, they know the difference between a blue bubble experience and a green bubble experience. No doubt. Tesco green is a little different, don't it? No, you missed the days when I was gripping on it. No, you're in a- We'll run through a couple more small things. Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, <laughs> co-founder, just today got booted from his own company. Uh, the board of directors said that he was not candid in his communication. We don't really know what that means, but after a, quote, deliberative review process, he's been fired. This was the guy that was on stage literally last week announcing all these new features, including GPT-4 Turbo. I have not been able to use ChatGPT all week because the website is burning. Like, it is so popular. It is more popular now than it has ever been. They have a wait list to sign up for GPT-4 because there are too many people using it. Like, just bananas. And in the midst of all of this, Sam has been fired. He tweeted at uh, an hour and 15 minutes ago, I loved my time at OpenAI. It was transformative for me personally and hopefully the world a little bit. Most of all, I loved working with such talented people. We'll have more to say about what's next later. And then salute emoji, <laughs> which, which I is assault- my favorite emoji. I- my favorite I, emoji. I, I, I love it. I can't. I cannot. It's anyway. It's, it's, it is, um, and, and I'm sorry. I know this is an Android podcast. Only Apple has gotten this emoji right. It should be, I like the half cut off one with the full hand. That is the one that everyone should be using. Google redesign yours. Samsung redesign yours. That's the correct. All right. I'm, emoji. I'm emojipedia-ing right now. And I want to, I want to, I, I, <laughs> I have to, I have to know what's, uh, what, what this looks like on Android. No, not Vulcan salute. What's it called? Saluting face. Oh, saluting face. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I love that that's the default. All right, let's let's take a look here. You know what it is? It's the straight mouth. It makes the emoji look so much more serious than Google or Samsung. Um, Microsoft's is straight up like smiling. Google sucks. Yeah, they all suck. The only good one is Apple. Yeah, the only good one is Apple. Yeah. Apple's is good. Okay, I want everybody to... I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to put in headphones if you're using your phone. <laughs> go to emojipedia.com or org and go to saluting face and just like look at these emoji. Like WhatsApp is good. Twitter, yeah. I mean, who WhatsApp's knows why fine. Twitter has its own emoji set. Twitter's is terrible, but they're all all of Twitter's are terrible. I, it looks like a hand is petting this emoji in Twitter's. <laughs> That's true. The hand looks so realistic and the face just looks like a cartoon. Huawei's uh, and what is like, going on with Facebooks? I don't like, I don't I cannot That's understand wiping, what's going on with that. Facebook is wiping the sweat from its brow. Huawei looks like you gave that <laughs> Apple's emoji to an AI tool and said, make this a little different. Oh, um no. it looks so bad. <laughs> Huawei is being kept hostage. The person in the Huawei emoji is being kept hostage <laughs> by this discombobulated hand. And the guy is just like terrified for his life. <laughs> so weird. Microsoft is just like some chipmunk that's like so happy to be included in the group. <laughs> I'm so glad we went down this road. I'm t- I told you I, this would be worth it. I knew it. It's true. And <laughs> Apple is the only one who does it right. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Man, okay, this is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, RIP. I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. Uh, what's going to happen with with, with OpenAI? Yeah, it's and literally like a developing story. Like I thought, I missed something. I was like, did I just not know there was an investigation happening? And I logged on to Twitter, which I should never do. 
And everyone else was like, I also don't know what's happening. So I, at least I wasn't completely, or at least everyone was out of the loop on this, I guess. But yeah, just out of nowhere. Mm, crazy. All right, that's it. I mean, there's a few more things in this rundown, but we've we've been at it for an hour. I've got some sunshine to soak. So I'm just gonna, we're, we're just gonna say like, don't expect to buy a, a cheap Samsung foldable anytime soon. Google's AI search is plagiarism. Niagara Launcher just released a new version that fixes custom icon packs forever. And Google Maps sent hikers down a remote non-existent trail. Uh, just amazing stuff, folks. Just good, solid content on the site. Truly, that was uh, one of my every... favorite stories of the week. That it's, I mean, it's terrifying, <laughs> but oh my God, you know, like, yeah. On a positive note, Google Maps just added subway stop entrances to its app. Like, very, very good news here. Um, but yeah, Google Maps, not as infallible as, as uh, once thought. So. Uh, I am going to uh, ask for a favor for everybody listening. Uh, we have launched a bunch of new newsletter features. If you are interested in getting AP's newsletter, go to the website, subscribe. We would really appreciate it. Uh, we also just want to mention that we know that there is a login that is now on the site. It pops up after you've read a few articles. Many people have said that they are uh, upset by this because who are we to interrupt you and force you to log in. I will say that uh, right now, the value may not be worth it. I get it. Down the road, it will absolutely be worth it for you to log in. And this applies to all Valnet sites, APX, DA, PocketLint, and all the others. If you're listening to this, I ask that you take a second when you get that login prompt. And all you do is you sign in with your Google account. It's a one-time thing. You never have to do it again. You get a lighter ad load on the site and you get access to controlling the newsletters that you are or are not going to sign up for. Uh, and you'd be doing us a huge favor because we are trying to build a personal relationship with you. This is not meant to track you. It's not meant to do anything nefarious. From our perspective, cookies, third-party cookies, which are kind of gross, are going away in a couple of years. And we need another way to get in touch with you, to know what you want. And eventually what this will allow us to do is to customize your homepage experience. You'll be able to hide categories or types of content that you don't want to see. Uh, there's a lot of things that we have planned for this feature. And all it will take is a quick press of that sign in with Google button. So I really appreciate it. I know the people who listen to this podcast are really loyal listeners and they may not really associate like the things that happen on androidpolice.com with the podcast, but this is something that we care a lot about. So uh, it would mean a lot if you did that. Uh, and then as always, send us feedback. We love getting any emails from you, podcast at androidpolice.com. All right. I uh, also want to say Ara would have loved to be here, but she had a date with the Magic Kingdom's incredible fireworks, so she couldn't be here. Ara, we missed you today, but we will send our best uh, fireworks wishes. And uh, next week we will, I think we're going to put together a clip show of some sort. Jules is, is figuring that out, but we're probably not going to record a new episode next week. No, so, unless, unless it's a week like this again. Good God. Yeah. Who unless saw Elon this Musk coming? gets arrested for hate yeah, crimes, yeah, uh, which would not surprise me. We do not me, even but... have time to talk about what is going on with Twitter and no. it's advertising, but just uh, go read sure a, any website that's reporting on that because it's, uh, it's fucked up. Yeah. Also, I should say I was on I was on two different podcasts this week. I was on 
daily tech news show on Tuesday talking about my big uh, Android and Teens piece. So go uh, and and other stories as well. So go listen to that. I've known Tom Merritt for a while. He's a cool guy. I'm glad I finally got to do that show. And then uh, I was on uh, Tech News Weekly with, uh, with with Jason Howell. He invited me on to talk. It was, it was to talk about that Android and teens piece. And then the RCS news broke an hour before we recorded. So it was, it was actually more about that. So if you want more from me, uh, go listen to both of those. Uh, it was Tuesday's Daily Tech News Show and then this week's Tech News Weekly. Amazing. I'm so glad that that piece got the traction that you wanted us to get because crazy. I did not expect it to go where it went. I mean, long gestating. It's been a topic that I think very few people have been able to report on the way that you can. And and like, I love that this is your beat now. (laughs) You're going to have to go go down to a bunch of schools and like non creepily. (laughs) Man. Oh, God. Okay. Um, Yep. Great. That's that's your next step. You got to you got to do some guerrilla reporting on this. That's that's the only way to further this uh, this story. I mean, genuinely, I've thought about like, how do I how do I follow this up? And like, it it is probably trying to talk to teenagers and be like, what is it about the iPhone that keeps you there? What is it about Android that keeps you away? Is there anything that would get you to switch to Android? So I don't know, like, maybe that's a thing. The schedule through the rest of the year is tough. But maybe maybe in January, that's a piece I start digging into if you and James think that's a good idea. This is, uh, you know, it's it's like, Everybody has to have a niche. And I think you've become the guy who like understands the trials and tribulations of Android while reporting on Android hardware so well, mm. better than anybody in the industry. And, Thank I, you. and I, I think that's just, that's just something that you got to lean into a bit more because as we talked about, like Windows has been falling yeah. in market share for 25 years. It does not mean Windows is going away. Android is not going away, but it is no, changing no. into something else. And as an Android site, we are the people who can see that first and are able to report most accurately about it. So also just, I, I just have to, because I saw this just now, there's a, an article or some sort of analyst email sent to subscribers of, of JP Morgan uh, with a headline of Microsoft and OpenAI, Control, Altman, Delete. All right. Just perfect. <laughs> I have just seen some perfect. crazy headlines this week. I just want to say, like, there's, there's been. I'm not even going to call it specific ones. That's one of them. I, I people in our industry are killing the headline game right now, in like a good way. Like, like they're yeah. they're nailing it. Like, I've seen a lot of good headlines this week. Uh, keep it Open up. AI or ChatGPT could never make headlines no, good. no, absolutely not. It would be boring, and you wouldn't read it. So. All right, that is it. Uh, go go watch Scott Pilgrim takes off this weekend if you want something to watch. I'm yeah, certainly going yep. to Avatar: The Way of Water um, 4K Steelbook is on sale at Best Buy for Black Friday. Just want everyone to know about that mm, deal. It's nineteen dollars steel. Or you could buy True Lies on Ultra HD uh, or on, on UHD. <laughs> I gotta go Blu-ray see the Abyss. For the first time. I gotta go. See, did you see or that? The, well, I, I mean, that's that 4K. That's the obvious uh, one night here. only yes. in theaters. I gotta go see it. I'm not going to see it in theaters, but I will. I will probably end up watching it again because that movie. I've never seen it. Is, it's so hard so to good. watch. Like you can't watch it. The the I think it's on Amazon and it's like a VHS rip or maybe a laserdisc rip. Like it, it's it's been impossible to watch. So I'm I'm really excited. Embrace the grain. That's all I'm saying. Embrace embrace the grain. Okay, uh, that's it. We didn't even talk about the 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 craziness of ordering a Steam Deck OLED. 
Oh, I got um, one. Which both of us went through. I got one. I know, but yeah. like the site went down for like 20 minutes. It did. It scared the shit out of me because I, I was busy doing the RCS thing because the RCS thing happened at the same time. And I was like, well, I, I can't professionally it would be wrong for me to try to focus on the steam deck over this rcs piece also i was getting a roof estimate done at the same time i was talking to my roofing guy at 1 p.m just like apple picked the absolute worst time to to announce yeah this. you had a day i had a i had a fucking day man like i i i had to take a loan out a very large loan um oh, it's geez. it's not good anyway uh yeah we'll have steam deck oled thoughts soon i got the standard 512 one uh i didn't go with the limited edition i'm trying to save money because of the loan that i just mentioned i also didn't get it not because i'm trying to save money but because valve valve's screwed web store me over and, and kicked me out of yeah. the cart like eight times and then by the time i was able to put it through it was out of stock anyway it's probably for the best <laughs> uh but we'll talk more about it maybe uh in a couple of weeks all right, all right have a it. happy yeah. thanksgiving yeah if you are if you are celebrating um have a fantastic diwali is diwali still on i think it is if not it just ended but if anybody's listening and and, and, uh, wants to correct me i'm okay with that i hope you all have a really good week and uh yeah we'll talk to you very soon all right bye 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 Sorry about five different endings on that one. Kept thinking of shit to say.